This is Transistor.fm. Today's episode is brought to you by Balsamic. I want you to check out something they have on their site. They have this little online course called Intro to Wireframing. It's made for founders, product managers, and anyone else who wants to learn the basics of how to create user interfaces that are easy to use. And it's really designed to make you to It's designed to make you go from zero to decent in a very short amount of time. Uh, I've actually looked into this course too, and it's helped me a ton. You can check it out at balsamic.com slash learn slash courses. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2019. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. I do product and marketing. What's the next part here? <laughs> Follow along as we build transistor.fm. I had some people say they were upset that Chris doesn't turn my voice into a robot there. Robot voice? Because it used to be like transistor.fm, but now it's just... I don't know if he's gotten lazy or... We had a robot voice? Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, that was like original. Huh. So, John, we are actually doing this different than... <laughs> we are. We're recording live in person for the first time ever. Yeah. we're. It's kind of weird, actually, when you can look at the... <laughs> kind of is. I don't know if I like this. So, John, what are we doing? Why are we in person? Uh, we're in Portland. We are doing a founder retreat. Uh to get some face-to-face time, to plan a few features that we've been trying to plan for a while. Um, You know, catch up in person, hash out some ideas. Yeah. Sketch a few things out. Uh, I think that's that's the idea, right? Yeah, I actually got quite a bit of uh, folks that were asking, like, how do you do these retreats? Because I've gone on a few of them. They've all been different. Is this the first time you've done something like this? Yeah. Well, not, well, not exactly. I mean done some sort of retreats where it's pretty much just all coding okay like you just got away weekend retreats yeah you got a way to do some do some work um yeah i think this one's been good we we wanted to talk through some stuff like a bigger feature dynamic content and we got we got some of that done yeah yeah we got uh we we uh had a good discussion i think we we landed in a good spot. <laughs> and so maybe let's go through like the advantages and disadvantages of, because um, I asked you like while we were getting coffee, do you feel like you get more done when we're in the same place? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it depends on what you mean by like what type of work. Okay. Um, Tell me more. Well, it's a little harder, I think, to get deep into some code um, just because there's more I don't know, discussion happening. There's not necessarily a place to go just like into a room by yourself with some headphones and mm-hmm. and do some coding. That wasn't necessarily what we were trying to do. Yeah. Um, there was there was a decent amount of coding that, that we did get done, but um uh that's I mean that's really the only downside for me. But as far as it, I mean that obviously the advantages outweigh that. So what are the advantages for you, do you think? Well, I think it's it's a little bit faster. We've been, you know, faster to come to a decision on a new feature we're trying to uh, hash out because we don't, we don't generally talk 
for Skype other when other than when we record, right? So yeah. if we're trying to plan something out, it's generally a bunch of Slack messages that may be, you know, asynchronous and it takes a while to sort of come to a conclusion on something. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think like being together all the time isn't necessary, but there's definitely an advantage to sometimes just sitting across for the per- yeah. the person and hashing things out. Um, so maybe we could talk a little bit about how we how we figured out this dynamic content thing. Yeah. What what were the some of the struggles we had with that one? Well, I think when we initially thought about it, it's it's a lot to bite off because the the topic is is pretty large. Like it's you can you can kind of it can get out of control pretty quick, right? So we've been wanting to do dynamic content for a while. Um, a lot of our competitors do it. Yeah. Although it's a little bit tough to sort of, you know, look at our competitors and say, well, they're, they're doing this. Let's do the exact same thing and all of it and try to finish it quickly. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Like there's, uh, there's kind of two ways you can respond to that stuff. On one hand, you can go, okay, you know, folks clearly want this because our competitors are doing it. But on the other hand, you almost have to kind of shut that out, like be aware of it, but then shut that out and go, okay, but what can, what do our customers want? Number one. And then the second part is what can we reasonably... Right. <laughs> what do we want to support? Yeah. Or what can we even build with yeah. the resources we have? Right. So, the, I mean, coming into this, we were like, all right, we want dynamic content that gets inserted into, you know, show notes. Uh, we want dynamic like banner ads and sponsorship ads to show up on your website, like images and things like that. And we want dynamic audio insertion so you can do dynamic, I don't know, ads or promotions in your episodes themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's a lot. I think that's a lot to plan out for a version one. Yeah. If we wanted to, and then we kind of got into the into the weeds a bit on, especially for the audio insertion, like technically how would we do that? Can we can we do that right now? And how do we, how do we do it? So it, it doesn't, you know, bog our system down, inserting audio and rewriting files and, you know, re-encoding things and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think one thing that was interesting for me is cause I haven't worked on a team in a long time. And so just you and I having to sit down and hash out what that looked like mm-hmm. was weird for me. <laughs> Because I haven't done, I don't know how you do that at cards or other jobs you've had, like exploration of how this feature looks or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it was, it was good. I think, we, you know, we started somewhere that we thought would work um, as we talked about it more, the obvious, uh, some of the edge cases and the problems came up pretty quick. Like, well, if we do this, what about, you know, this yeah. is going to affect this in this way and get into those problems, you sort of take a step back and rethink it and say, all right, is there a different way to do this? Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, what was helpful for me is it felt like we were kind of, you know, we were exploring different ideas, but it wasn't until I said, okay, let's think about like us and our podcast. How would we use this? And so I was able to go through this kind of use case or this scenario of, okay, I log into Transistor what I want is to tell folks about like a special event that's coming up. Maybe we're like in Portland and we're doing a meetup 
okay, so what do I want that to look like? I go to a menu called dynamic content. And then I've got options, right? I've got a text placeholder for a special announcement that will appear in the show notes. And then I've got an audio placeholder for special announcement that would play like before the episode, right? And so I think once we started talking through that of, okay, well, do I want some of these things to just have a general setting that's kind of always there and then a more campaign date-based mm-hmm. setting, right? And it wasn't until I went through that flow that I was able to kind of see, okay, we've got some options here. There's two different paradigms and we've got to figure out which one we want to go with, right? Um, and I think even before that, we had been talking so much about dynamic audio insertion mm-hmm. that I think we eventually came to the conclusion that it's probably not a good place to start. Yeah. You have to figure out how to like visualize the waveform. Yeah. Do we want to, do we want to plan and build this thing that might take several months to do and lots of testing and build out this UI to edit uh, your audio waveform and put insertion points for different audio ads? Yeah. Um, which may, which people may or may not even want. Yeah. Yeah. That was or a good use, point. Or yeah. do we want to build a different interface that's, that allows you to add audio to the front of your show and that's it. Yeah. Which is significantly simpler. Yeah. There was a few times where we had to, we were kind of going off into the weeds of, you know, what would that be look like to visualize the waveform and then have, you know, mark in and mark out spots. And we just had to ask ourselves like, but we don't really know anything. Like we don't know how our customers are going to use this. So starting at a really base level and just releasing that. Yeah, which I which I still think would be hugely beneficial because anything at the front of the show is obviously going to be listened to the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just to clarify, we decided, we made a decision that to start, all we're going to do is give people the option of doing pre-roll audio, which right. is at the beginning, fairly easy. It's way easier technically, yeah. right? Although that's not even going to be version one of, di- of the dynamic content. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to start with text placeholders. 1.5. Yeah. I think this is an- another case where, uh, you know, some people say, don't focus on your competitors. Don't look at what your competitors are doing. Right. But seeing some of our competitors and how they've implemented dynamic content and see- <laughs> seeing how, um, I don't know if I, you know, basically how bad some of those UIs are. Like, it's hard to yeah, actually... It's a, it's a tricky, I think it's a tricky problem it. to solve, to do it simply. So if if we can look at a, a really well-funded competitor and say, okay, well, they're having problems pulling this off in a yeah. good way, then maybe we should just step it back. So ultimately, what, what, did, we, what did we decide on here? We have, we're just going to kind of start with uh, dynamic insertion of like text and links into your show notes? Yeah, yeah. So the use case would be um, we'd type out, hey, we're in Portland from, you know, July 29th to 31st. <laughs> is there a 31st? Yeah, whatever day it is, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, if you want to join us, click here on Meetup or something. Yeah. And that would automatically, then the user can say, I want this to appear in all of my show's backlog. Mm-hmm. That's the benefit, right? Is that you can set it for, you know, I want this campaign to appear, you know, for this time period. 
and it automatically inserts that text and link in all your show notes so you don't have to go back through 300 episodes. Yeah. And then the idea, I think, down the road is to be able to package up multiple types of dynamic content into a campaign and say, for this month, I want the pre-roll audio, the dynamic content into my show notes, and maybe uh, like a sponsor image in mm-hmm. my show notes as well with a link. They all show up for a month. After yeah. that month's over, they go away. Yeah. Maybe they're replaced with something else that you schedule ahead of time. Yeah. That was a cool insight, actually, that we could create these different types of content and then people could create their own campaigns with it. Mm-hmm. And it, it was from us thinking about, you know, this month, Balsamic and Clubhouse are sponsors. So how would we want to, you know, use dynamic content for those advertisers? And I was like, oh, wow, it'd be cool if you could automatically put it in the show notes and also have a, a banner ad on right. the website. In that sense, actually, being together is helpful. Because you're just like going back and forth. It's like yeah, really quick. I'm not sure we would have come to that conclusion. I mean, maybe maybe this makes the case for us doing uh, video calls more often or at least video calls that are not just us recording. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some people have asked like how, how often you and I talk and yeah. it's really only on this call. Right. Exactly. Which is actually good. Like every week we have, we're forced. It is, but we're not planning features. No, no, that's true. That's true. So this is probably a good time to talk about our other sponsor, Clubhouse. They've been good to us. They've they've sponsored the show for two months. They have, and it's it's actually really fun having a sponsor that you that you use all the time because it's easy to talk about it, right? Exactly. Oh, we used uh, Epics for the first time on this retreat, and Epic is a collection of stories that, in this case, we we created one called Dynamic Content, and I think one of the benefits is that it's a separate area of the clubhouse UI. And so if you want to like avoid all the other noise, like all the other stories staring you in the face, you can go create an epic, add a bunch of stories, and then you can even tag those within them. So we have like a tag for V1 and we were able to say, okay, this is just the first version of it. And then V2. Yeah. And then you can kind of see as, as you finish off and deploy the stories for that epic, you can see how far along it is and how, much you know what percent of the epic is finished oh yeah i forgot about there's like a progress indicator Mm -hmm. yeah which would be really helpful actually if you had a bigger team and you had to okay what's this project that you know i got to go to this meeting got to report to the boss so yeah clubhouse has been great to us if you folks haven't tried it yet go try it you get two months free when you use this url clubhouse.io slash build so we also spent quite a bit of time on Mixpanel. <laughs> and maybe I think I want to like, because there's a lot of people listening that are probably in the same boat as us. So you're building a new app. And ideally, in an ideal world, you would launch your web, your marketing website and your app. And you would have a bunch of analytics tracking kind of set up. But <laughs> in, the re- in the real world, that doesn't always happen, right? Yeah, I mean, th- this was a good I think this was a good thing for me to work on. I know you've been wanting it for a while and we kind of had to decide how we wanted to integrate Mixpanel into the app. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not obviously a marketing guy. So in the same sense of like previous episodes where I've said, if I was to start a company, I would just tweet about it a couple of times <laughs> and that's my advertising campaign. Yeah, that's that's the whole budget. Uh, right there. And so similarly... I would basically just install Google Analytics and then be done with it and do nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Don't 
install any triggers, don't install any sort of uh, funnels. Um, so kind of getting us some insight into like why you wanted to integrate in the mix panel. Yeah. Was, was good for me to hear. And then, um, then we kind of had to decide how we wanted to do it. So there's like the JavaScript. Yeah. You have a JavaScript library you can hook into, or there's like the backend library that you can just submit directly to their API. Yeah. I want to pause there actually, because I think <laughs> one of the benefits of having a co-founder is at least for me, it's easy for me to delude myself into things like to be like, okay, I need mixed panel, but there's nobody sitting across from me going, well, why? Yeah. Well, I need it so that we can track funnels. Well, why? Well, if I can track funnels, I can see how uh, effective our marketing, you know, campaigns are. Okay, well, why is that helpful? And just to be able to go through some of that <laughs> and have to create a case for this is why we should spend time on it. Mm -hmm. But when you're working alone, you can just be like, well, I need to refactor the whole app today. That's what I need to do. <laughs> and, then, and then there's no one across from you going, well, is that really the best use of your time? Like, I really need to be on Reddit today. It's, it's, uh, it's important. <laughs> so I think, I don't know, for me, I think that took a little longer than I thought. You seem to think it took less time than you thought it would take. Yeah. I mean, we spent, we spent some time on it for sure. Like that was most of the development work this weekend was us working on Mixpanel. So the basic premise of it, from my point of view, is we're going to, we sort of track this funnel from when they hit the marketing page to the sign up page. Mm -hmm. um, there's an event for when they sign up. Yeah. Uh, and then there's event, an event for if they have added their first show and then their first episode, or if they've imported a show from a different provider, yeah, which gives you insight into, did this person sign up and actually use it or not? Yeah. I think that's the important piece is like a lot of analytics software, like Google Analytics, it just collects a bunch of stuff, but it doesn't necessarily answer the questions you want answered. Like most business owners want to ask, what channel, like what marketing channel brings us the most lead google analytics unless you're unless you've set it up you know in a certain way um won't tell you that it'll just say well here's your traffic mm -hmm. here's some refers uh but you might want to know okay well what kinds of what kinds of actions lead to more sales right so in our case we have guesses like i guess that if someone is uh, creating a, a podcast and then uploads an episode, they're more likely to pay and not churn. Right. But that's a guess. I don't really know, right? So we want to be able to set up some some tracking to say, okay, well, let's get some insight into what people are doing. Mm -hmm. Just for folks out there, these are the general kind of rules of thumb. These are the things I'm going to be looking at. So for a credit card upfront app, which is what we have, we have a 14-day trial. Um, generally, you want visitor to trial conversion to look at like 0.75% to 1%. And that's because there's some friction there. You got mm -hmm. to take out your credit card, right? Um, but the trial to paid um, conversion should be about 40 to 60% because uh, they've been vetted in a sense, right? You know that they at least have a credit card. They're, they're more serious maybe than if they would just sign up for free. Right. Now, if you don't have a credit card up front, which there's a bit of a debate like for bootstrappers if you should if you should do this at all, but you want visitor to trial 
like 5% and over because there's just way less friction. You want that to be a lot higher. And then trial to paid, you want 8 to 20%. So those are the numbers, kind of the general numbers I've always used. And that's what I want to look at is how, where are we kind of on that spectrum? Do you have any guesses? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, actually. I mean, I know we get a ton of, of traffic and, you know, in terms of who actually signs up, we get a fair number of signups. Um, but, you know, it's probably in the 1% range, actually. But we won't know, we won't know until, until we see. And actually, my guess is we are converting at a higher percentage. I think we're converting over 50% for sure of trials. But I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> or how long they stick around. Yeah, how long they stick around. Um, and this actually, so some people might ask, like, why mixed panel? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you can do some of this in Google Analytics. You can create funnels in Google Analytics. Um, Mixpanel also does uh, notifications. So you can do email notifications, SMS notifications, and uh, in-app notifications. And when we first launched Transistor, I had a kind of a new customer onboarding flow that I did in MailChimp. It was just like automated. But it was really um, dumb. It didn't know what they'd done in the app. It didn't know. So, for example, if someone's importing an existing podcast from mm-hmm. a competitor, they don't need to know how to record a podcast. They've already done it. And so I, I ended up disabling that. And, um, but I've been wanting to re-implement it because it would solve a lot of problems. But to be able to tell folks, like our biggest problem right now is people upload their first episode. They're not immediately aware that they have to submit their show to iTunes. And so to have some sort of automated trigger of this person just signed up, they created a podcast. Oh, they've uploaded their first episode. Now we can send them an email that says, here's what happens next. You need to, you know, submit this to iTunes. Mixpanel does that. It also does some stuff that like Bear Metrics and ProfitWell does. Like it can track churn for you and stuff. Um, And it's kind of weird. Like it, it feels like, I think one thing that's, odd is that all of these apps are collecting user data. Yeah. <laughs> like Kayako, we've got, you know, information about customers on there. We've got information about customers in Stripe. We've got information about customers in Google Analytics. Mm-hmm. We've got information about customers in MailChimp, like when they open a newsletter. But there's kind of like not one place where you can get a good picture of who your customers are, where they're at in their world, where they're at in your app, and then kind of respond appropriately. And I think Mixpanel's the best for that. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I did look into uh, other ones like Heap, and mm-hmm. um, there's a few other ones that are that seem reasonable, but I'd used Mixpanel before. Cool. Do you have uh, any any uh, like comments about implementation in Mixpanel that you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, we ultimately chose more of the backend route so we're just submitting directly to their api as actions happen mm-hmm. um, on our app so initially there's a javascript snippet on our marketing site yeah and then um, another there is another s- snippet on our sign up page that actually tracks the fact that they viewed the sign up page yeah. and then yeah. there's a cookie that's set that sort of tracks you across those pages mm-hmm. and then if you sign up with our site um, 
there's going to be this event that happens in the back end that submits directly to Mixpanel that that um, creates a profile, um, says when you signed up, when your trial started, and then sort of like ties that cookie into your user ID. There, uh, I mean, Mixpanel's documentation is great. It's really pretty straightforward. Um, it's kind of cool that you can, you know, set up test, like set up other projects within Mixpanel and just sort of test things there locally. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me why you didn't want to install the JavaScript on the app side? Our dashboard and, and app is not, it's not like a big JavaScript app. Mm-hmm. We're not, we didn't build it in, you know, React or, or Vue. So why, why not? I just wasn't, I didn't know it at the time. Okay. Are you, are you opposed to it? Like what, no, not at all. where do you kind of fall on that? I don't, like, I'm not opposed to it. I don't, I don't particularly want to build like a single page app that's yeah. all JavaScript, but, um, by the way, the, uh, we have a new customer, um, Honey Badger. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a podcast on Transistor called Founder Quest, and they talk about uh, how they built their initial version in Backbone. You remember Backbone? Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, as a like a single page app, and they talk about maybe why that was not the best yeah. idea. <laughs> I can I can see the benefit from from a certain standpoint, like interactivity and stuff like that. Ultimately, like our our app doesn't have a lot of JavaScript hooks and events. So, mm-hmm. if you're clicking around and doing things or adding an episode, there's no real JavaScript hook for that. So, I just use the the Ruby gem. So, you know, if you're familiar with Rails, let's say you add a new episode. When that episode is successfully created, I just fire off an event in the background that sends a request to Mixpanel and adds an episode created event. To mm-hmm. that user's profile. Um, so you you found you didn't really need the JavaScript. No, no. Okay. I don't. I don't know. I don't really know how we would use it. I mean, we could track like page views, maybe with that. Yeah, because you were saying like in Rails, you would have to have like something that that um, fires the JavaScript. How does that work? Like it. Well, it's either. I mean, it, it would either be you'd have to hook into button clicks and say, if I click this button to create an episode, fire off this event, but then the episode might not, might like not validate and not actually create. Oh yeah. And then the only way then to do it would be if the episode was created successfully, you'd have to like inject a JavaScript snippet into the page to run some JavaScript. So it's just not, it, it would basically be the same thing as using the Ruby gem and submitting to the back end, but a little clunkier, I think. I think that first scenario actually <laughs> creates a lot of false positives in analytics because a lot of an- these analytics programs use JavaScript, but you're just tra- tracking the click. You're not tracking like the actual completed right. event. Right. So if you're building, you know, an interface with React or, or Vue, um, you're not reloading the page. So you're going to submit an episode. It's going to submit everything in the background to your API and then get a result back. And when that result is returned back via JavaScript, then you could fire an event. Yeah, yeah. So, do you think? I mean, it feels like one of the advantages of using Ruby on Rails. We had an episode about this, but there's just like Mixpanel has, you know, it wasn't great Ruby documentation, but there was enough there. That's no, fine. Yeah, yeah. and it, when you have a mature kind of, um, you're not, you're building on a mature framework. All that stuff seems yeah, to well, be and a lot easier. Their API is mature, so it's you know, maybe it looks like their documentation is old and out of date, but it's not at all. It's it was it was fine. Yeah, it's fine. All right, Mixpanel, reach out to us. You can sponsor the next uh, <laughs> the next month of Build Your SaaS. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, yeah, so that's kind of what we got accomplished this weekend. Um, anything else you, you felt like was significant about either, either of those things, like talking about dynamic content or implementing this mixed panel stuff? I think it was good to do both of those in person. I don't, I don't know if we would have gotten them done as quickly. Mm-hmm. Like the mixed panel stuff, I think, was particularly good to talk to you in person about it. Yeah. Kind of like what kind of events we needed to record. And and do you think, like, where do we go from here? So, like, we're going to go back home now. We have stories written out for dynamic content. Mm-hmm. Is, the, is the plan that we're just going to start, like, working away at those? I think so, yeah. I mean, there are... Yeah, I think that I think we have a, enough to at least start. I don't know if I'd necessarily be writing code immediately, but yeah, I think there's some other you know sketching we need to do based on what we talked about. But yeah, like we want to sketch out what the actual screens will mm-hmm. look like. Just generally, like I think what the flow might be. I think some other edge cases might pop up once you start sketching it out. Mm-hmm. But those, I think. I think we're ready to get started with that and maybe test it. Um, it might be it might be one of those features where we feature flag it to like our show mm-hmm. just to test it out for a while to see how it works. Another benefit of this retreat just came up in my mind, it, which is I think I was telling someone like it's gotten way harder since we launched to work on features. Right. Because now we have 600 some customers. Well, yeah, we're doing support part of the time and then... And there's just so much more signal. Like there's more signal and more noise yep. there there people you know have things they want to do with their podcast and so they're suggesting uh making suggestions which is great but we were discussing this article that heat and shaw wrote he he was the founder of kiss metrics mm-hmm. and uh he would talk about these heating bombs which is he would just get an idea and then he would you know come to the team with the idea and kind of like just throw off the whole just steamroll it through kind of yeah and i think it's that that's like a risk regardless regardless of your company like you can you can just like you can say oh i got this idea or i saw a competitor do this or right a customer wants this so we should stop everything and do it but preparing for this weekend we had to say okay what's important like what's going to move the needle for mm-hmm. our customers in the future and I think that kind of focus is really helpful every once in a while because then it becomes really clear. Like, yes, there's tons of things we could work on, but what really matters, these two things, yeah. let's do it. So hopefully when we both, you know, get back, uh, we don't lose momentum because there still are a lot of other things we need to either fix, like small things we have in Clubhouse that probably yeah. need to be done before we start this. Yeah. So, so how, how are we going to deal with that? Like how we could actually, because there's always going to be stuff in there. Like I'm wondering if if we need to somehow like protect our protect the this part, you know? Yeah, because I mean I don't work on this every day, so I I know we might have to like block off days and just be like today you can work on fixing stuff. Yeah. The next time you work on it, you have to work on uh, the new stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and. Really, for me, like I can get in there after you've kind of set up all the scaffolding, and there's actually pages. Like I could come in and clean up yeah. content on a page or other things. But that that first kind of sprint really needs to come from you. And so, right, yeah, I'm trying to think of how we can 
protect your time and your focus when we get back. Yeah, I don't have an answer to that yet. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just a matter of me. Um, just, I, I think part of it is being mindful. Like I remember being at my first job and at one point the CEO came to me and said, you know, Justin, you just have to be mindful about what you tell Mike, who's the CTO. Yeah, well, that's one thing. I mean, I think you sometimes have a tendency to like drop stories into clubhouse and tag me in them so i get a <laughs> notification immediately which sort of takes me out of my focus yeah you that was actually a good insight is you <laughs> so like maybe ads maybe <laughs> you can add the stories to the unscheduled bucket but not tag me yeah so i won't get an email yeah yeah so so the, just so what i would do is i in clubhouse you can create a story and then you can say who the owners are and i would just be like oh well john and i are the owners and so i like, why not tag John now? Why Why wait? But then John was able to tell me. And I don't get... know the importance of it. Yeah. Necessarily. Yeah. So John was saying, like, every time he gets one of those notifications, he gets really anxious. <laughs> 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 but that's good to know. Feels like we we definitely don't hold a lot of punches. Like, you're, you're fine telling me <laughs> <laughs> if something is bugging you. Right. Which is important because I would have never known. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's you probably you know didn't know that I was getting emails necessarily. Yeah, I, I, could I didn't probably turn those off, but then I, then I wouldn't know. Yeah, but it's such a small change; it makes so much sense. So now we have this unscheduled bucket, and we don't assign anybody to mm-hmm. the project, and then uh, really it gives each of us the autonomy to look in that unscheduled bucket and go, okay, what am I ready to work on? Yeah. And then we move that over to the ready for development column. And uh, yeah, at that point, maybe there should be an owner or whoever's going to pick it up can just mark themselves as the owner. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like somebody putting events in your calendar <laughs> yeah. and saying, okay, this is your event now. It's like, well, I, I didn't want that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I think this is great. Uh, I will post some links in the show notes about, um, there's some good blog posts from some other folks on how to run a founder's retreat. Um, this is, I think, probably the fourth or fifth thing like this I've done. And every single one's been different. But I really liked uh, our approach. It was good. Good to get away. Yeah. So let's, uh, yeah, why don't we do our Patreon shout outs? Sounds good. Uh, yeah, thanks as always to our uh, supporters on Patreon. A few uh, new ones this week. We have a few new ones. We actually just got an email. Oh, really? From a new one? A new one. Wow, that's that's uh, good timing. We'll, we'll put them in. Oh, that's uh, Miguel. Nice. You know Miguel? I do, yeah. Miguel is awesome. Miguel is, uh, I think, 17. He's young, and he is like a really good developer. Nice. He, uh, he built, I think he built a, um, I think it's called blog talk. I should, I should confirm that, but, um, it will read your blog posts or turn your blog posts into, um, podcasts. Cool. So yeah. Thanks, Miguel. Um, yeah. Uh, Miguel, uh, how do you say that? <laughs> Pedro Rafita. Oh, that was pretty good. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Miguel, t- let us know if we got that right. <laughs> so we also have, uh, Shane Smith is new. Austin Loveless, uh, Simon Bennett from Snapshooter, Corey Haynes, Michael Sitber, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis from Fathom Analytics, my brother Dan Buddha at danbuddha.com. Danbuddha.com. Darby Frey, 
who is here. Who's here, yeah. Somewhere. I, I got to meet him. We should have we should have had him down here so he could have gone, hey, hey. on mic. <laughs> <laughs> so Darby works on leadhonestly.com. Yeah. With Shay, who's also here. Yeah, Shay's in the room. But Shay's not a Patreon. No, he's not. <laughs> so we won't say his last name. <laughs> <laughs> you only get the last main name treatment if you're a Patreon. Uh, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Kevin Markham, Sammy Schuchert, Dan Erickson, Mike Walker, Adam Duvander. Who we met we in Portland. Dave Junta. Junta. Now, this is kind of takes me off because I heard Junta might have come to this. I guess Darby was talking to him. Yeah, he should have come. We could have had him. Go, he, we could have had him say Junta himself. <laughs> uh, Kyle Fox uh, from Get Rewardful, which is our uh, affiliate program we use. And as always, Clubhouse and Balsamic. Yeah. And thanks so much to Clubhouse. This is uh, their last month sponsoring us, but we really appreciate the support. And we will see you next week, next Tuesday. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.